Amen. You may be seated, and he is risen. If I've not met you, my name's Steve. It's my privilege to be the pastor here. We are so delighted to have you. And uh, for those of you that are guests, uh, very, yeah, thank you. You know what? The funny thing is, the last service, I almost tripped on that thing. So thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't know I kicked it off. And, uh, but hey, I got some, actually some good news with a little bit of a caveat. So, as you know, uh, we broke ground uh, somewhat in faith, right? We're ready to go. We did get a note from the city, and we went over on Friday, and we paid for our construction permits. So that, it's there. Uh, but we don't have the civil permit yet. They say that's this week, and we can't start to get that. So hopefully, though, it's all going to happen. It, it's, it's coming, it's coming, and... Uh, we're excited about it. Few months ago, I was. Oh, by the way, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke 24 today. Luke 24, talking resurrection. We'll be back in our study of the book of Revelation next week. But a few months ago, I was. I had some, some meetings up in Prescott and was coming down to 17. And to get to my house, you know, there's varying ways you can do it. And depending on the time of day, you know, which way you want to go. Actually, a little closer for me to go to, you know, come on down to the 101. But with traffic, uh, and I was getting back in in the afternoon, taking the 303, right? It's, it's a little bit longer. But in all my travels of the 303, I've never seen a policeman out there, right? Uh, so, I mean, it, it's much quicker to go that way. And so that was my plan. And of course, if you've come down and you're, you're doing that, you know you, you come down out of Black Canyon, you go through Anthem, you've got the carefree highway, whatever that thing is, and, and then you're going to hit the 303. And so I'm coming down and I'm doing my thing, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, what? you know, it's like, man, I've been driving for a while here. And I see the sign for Happy Valley Road, which means that someplace along the line I blew past the 303. And I'm thinking, man, I've been looking. How could I missed it? Did they take the sign down? Right? I it just it was like. So I ended up having to go the 101, fought all the traffic. Well, it bothered me, right? You know me. I got a little OCD. So a couple of weeks later, I'm actually doing the same trip, and I'm thinking, I'm gonna see this sign. And lo and behold there's the sign but then it hit me what had happened so right before you see the sign for the 303 there's a there's a a gore point you know people are getting on and i remember this crazy man right probably a woman but crazy man <laughs> just a joke just kidding all right but i remember they came on and they cut over in front of me and man it was just some yahoo move and i'm i'm all and, and now I, it dawns on me i got distracted i i missed the sign and what's absolutely incredible to me is when you look at the bible story and how many times jesus told his disciples that he was going to die he was going to be put in the grave then he was gonna, they missed it they missed the sign. Look at it here in, in Luke 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they 
came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered this, his words. And they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now there was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women who were there telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe. Folks, Jesus had over and over and over predicted his resurrection. He had repeatedly told them in the three years he was with them, this is how this is going to end. They're going to crucify me. They are going to put me in the grave. But three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. So you go back. One of the very first things that Jesus did at the start of his ministry was he went to Jerusalem and he cleansed the temple. Remember, he drove out all the money changers and turned over their tables and those that were selling the lambs and all of this. And at that point, they asked him, hey, how, you know, what authority do you have? John chapter 2, very early, he says, listen, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And John even mentions there in the next verse, man, now they knew he was talking about his resurrection. Then he goes up, most of his ministry is in the area of Galilee. And if you remember, he's healing the sick, he's casting out the demons, a lot of question as to who he was. And so they actually begin to say that he was casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul. And Jesus said, no, no, this is not that and say well then show us a sign and in Matthew chapter 12 Jesus answered the evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth he told them then they travel up to Caesarea Philippi you remember the question of who do people say that I am well some say some John the Baptist and others say Elijah who do you say that I am you are the Messiah right the son of God and he looks at Peter and says, hey, upon that, I'm going to build my church. And then it says this, and from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests, scribes, be killed and be raised on the third day. Not long after that, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. So they, they went up a hill. Remember the transfiguration. Elijah shows up. Moses stops by, right? And... and as they're talking about it coming down the hill this is what Jesus said tell this vision to no one until the son of man has risen from the dead 
And then he gets back with his disciples and they're still in that area of Galilee. He tells them one more time and while they were gathered together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men. They will kill him. Raised on the third day. They should have known. Then they start heading for Jerusalem for this third Passover. This is the one where it's all going to take place. So even on the way to Jerusalem, he tells them again, they will mock me, spit on him, scourge him, kill him. Three days later, He'll rise from the dead. And oh, by the way, in case they still hadn't picked it up, the night that he's betrayed in the garden, remember they met in that upper room. And even in the upper room, he says this. He says, but after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Folk, everybody should have been anticipating the resurrection. It shouldn't have been a surprise. They shouldn't have been perplexed. They shouldn't have been a place of unbelief. By the way, one of the great pieces that even points to the, the authenticity of the resurrection of Christ is the fact that his disciples didn't believe, right? They, they, were, they were skeptics. And it wasn't until they saw the resurrected Christ. What I find amazing is here's his followers that missed it, his, his followers that didn't get it, but his enemies... They knew about it. Remember the Pharisees went to Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that when he was alive, this deceiver said, after three days, I'm going to rise from the dead. You need to secure the grave. So those closest to Jesus missed all the signs while those that were apart from him kind of knew about it. Why? How could you miss it? How could you hear so many times and miss it? Well, one is, I, I think that you just, we tend to be blinded by life experience. There's actually an official name for this. It's uniformitarianism. Also comes in, ham, it comes in handy as an eye chart there, right? Uniformitarianism. It's just the fact that we get locked into this is life. This is what happens nothing unique nothing out of the ordinary nothing divine comes in they're they're just blinded by life experience i mean let's face it how many people do you see raised from the dead and people die they're gone now the disciples had actually seen some people raised from the dead but it was Jesus who did it. But now Jesus was dead. So I think they're just blinded by life goes on. I, I think this is the, the very same thing that happened with Noah, who Noah's building this big old boat. You talk about a sign, right? 400 foot boat. Hey, floods coming, rain's coming. Well, wait a minute. It doesn't rain. What's that? You know, at that time, water just came up from the ground and watered the plants. It wasn't in their what's a rain what's a flood they didn't know for a hundred years he preaches for a hundred years they reject till the flood came and took them away and i think about the disciples i think also they were not only blinded by the the sense of just life and uniformitarianism of of how things happen but i think it was also the distractions of life i mean think about it they're you know, the one they believe to be the Messiah is now dead. Their hope is gone. I, 
I, I think even for them, the question is, how far are the Pharisees going to push this? Are they going to now come after the followers of Jesus? Are we the next ones? And so there's so much going on. For these ladies, it was like, okay, we get past the Sabbath. Now we got to get the ointments together, right, to go anoint his body. So there's just so much distractions of life, right? The Yahoo came in and cut me off, right? And it becomes the distractions of life. And they were caught unaware. They missed it. They missed the signs so clear they should have known. So let's, I know we would all like to be humble here, but we have to be honest this morning. But the reality is, if you and I had been there, we would have known, right? We would have remembered. We would have been the voice of reason in the room. We would have been the one in the upper room on Saturday to say, no, guys, guys, remember, he told us all this, right? We would have known. We would have seen the sign. So let's take that theory out for a little test spin today. Two places. One is this. The Bible tells us repeatedly, Jesus is coming back. It's told to us over and over. The signs are there. Do we live our lives in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back? I mean, Jesus, I, I had to cut it down. Let me just give you three places. John 14. I go and prepare a place for you. I will, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. I'm going to come back. In Matthew 24, he's talking about the end of all things. And this is what he says. And the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Do you know that some of the last words of Jesus in the entire Bible, found in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, this is what he says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me. I'm coming back. Now, obviously, someday we need to have a discussion with Jesus about what quickly means because his quickly is a little different than ours. But his point is, I'm coming back. Remember, Jesus took the disciples out to the Mount of Olives and he's ascending into heaven. Wow, you talk about something out of the normal thing of life and he's just going up. And the Bible says that there are two people that joined them. They were angels and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you will come in just the same way. He's coming back. Paul told us over and over. I think of that church there at Philippi. He says, you know, our citizenship is in heaven from which we're eagerly waiting for our Savior. Jesus is coming back. John, his good friend who wrote the book of Revelation that we're studying now, right? The heart of that book is what? Jesus is coming back. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Now, Jesus is coming back. When? Well, we don't know the time. We don't know the date. In fact, if you're on YouTube and you get the, the, the video there that says, hey, we know when Jesus is coming back, 
Just don't even bother looking at it. The guy's an idiot, right? Just don't. Because Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. We don't know the time. But what we do know is there's just some clues, right? We, we look, we're studying right now the book of Revelation. There are certain things that are there. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about this since uh, the last few months, and so I don't want to belabor it. Though we don't know when Jesus is coming back, man, it's, it's, everything appears to be coming together. I mean, first of all, look, look at the nation of Israel. Right now, for most of us in our life, they've been around. What you don't understand is those scripture talks about when Jesus returns, the nation of Israel will exist, that from Jesus' time, that's not been, that's not been the reality. So Jesus dies resurrected sends into heaven we think about 33 AD within 40 years they revolt from Rome Rome comes in completely destroys Jerusalem the temple they who they don't kill they take and they take and they spread them out across the world and for 2000 years they are not a nation they do not live in their homeland. Oh, by the way, the enemy kept trying to kill them, right? You've heard of the Holocaust and everything else. But yet the Bible says that in the last days, when Jesus returns, they're going to be a nation again. Well, 1948, they become a nation again, just like Ezekiel promised back in Ezekiel 37 and 38, 2,500 years ago. And folk, do you understand? I mean, oh, yo, that's good. No, 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 no. Never, ever in human history has a nation been defeated, spread out, taken away, and yet they've kept their national identity, and then they return to their homeland 2,000 years later and become a sovereign nation again. It has never, ever happened. Ah, Except 1948. And even in my lifetime, 1967, they regained Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, which the book of Revelation says is going to be a part of the nation of Israel when Jesus comes back. Not only that, I can remember back, you know, I was growing up um, in the 70s, 80s, 90s. I know I'm much younger in person. Uh, but when I was growing up and, and we'd study the book of Revelation and we see some of these things that, you know, Israel become a nation again, that's great. But we'd be, some of this, like this last world leader is going to be able to control everything that you buy and sell. And if you don't get his mark, you can't buy or sell stuff. And it was like... How is that going to work? I mean, you think of all the places in the world. You know, why can't you just go down to the corner drugstore and buy something? Didn't make sense, right? How is that going to work? But today, today we get it. Today we understand. I mean, most of us don't carry cash because if we do and we got kids, they smell it, right? And then it's gone. So uh, we, we just do our debit card or even better than that, you don't carry that anymore. You carry your phone, you know, you double click it. And oh, by the way, we're already seeing that a bank somehow, you, you know, have the ability to go, well, listen, that's something we don't want you to buy. It ain't going that way. And we go, ah, oh, now we understand how one man can control this whole thing. 
You read in the book of Revelation how the whole world is going to see some of these events in, in, in the last day. And I, again, I'm growing up, I'm thinking, what? how can they see it right somebody's got to take the video and then they got to put it in nightly news remember nightly news yeah you think about us and the stuff that's going on in the world and you want to see what's happening over in the ukraine or you want to see what's going on over in in france with the you can go online and see live video streams of what's taking place see all these things we don't know when jesus comes back man it seems close let me suggest one more thing and i want to be careful uh and this is even part of the issue uh because i don't want to come across political and that's part of the problem right now everything is so political but one of the things that i struggled with back in the 70s and 80s and thinking about you know how is all this going to happen where where's america right in our you know, in, in our, and not only in our military power, but our will, our will to protect Israel, our will to be able to step into human events and, and, and to do these things. I thought, I don't know how that'll work. And yet you think about today, right? Let's just begin. Take the politics out of it. But you look at us as a nation of how divided we are. And do we even have as a nation anymore the political will on anything to be able to get involved and to have them display that kind of power? I just, I don't know that it's there. And who do you see in the world situation who's coming more to more power? Huh? Russia, China. Oh, by the way, do you know that in the book of Revelation, there is no king to the West? There is a king to the north, Gog and Magog. Oh, by the way, Russia. There is a king of the east. Most of us believe to be China. God's at work. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, but it appears it's going to be soon. Like everything is going to be there. And yet the reality is, is that when Jesus returns, people are going to be unaware. People are going to be unprepared. People who have even studied the word of God, they're, going to, they're not going to be ready. Jesus talked about, hey, it's like a thief, right? If you knew when a thief was coming, you'd be prepared. And this is what he said in Matthew 24. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For in those days before the flood, they're eating and drinking, marrying and giving and marriage till the day that Noah entered the flood. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them away. Now, a lot of people look at that eating and drinking and married and giving and marriage. And they go back to Genesis 6. And they see that only the, every thought of man's heart was only evil continually. So they look at that as being evil. It's not evil. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was not pointing out the evil of the day of Noah. What he was talking about was they were caught into uniformitarianism. They were just marrying and giving in marriage. They were just eating and drinking. They were just going about life because they thought nothing's going to change. And then the flood came and they missed the signs. And the problem with this is this, folk. When Jesus came the first time, oh man, it's all warm and fuzzy, right? This little babe in Bethlehem, right? This little meek, gentle, humble baby who comes to die for our sins. I mean, we just celebrated that on Friday night. That he pays the penalty for us. He conquers death, right? He offers eternal life. But that's not how he's coming the second time. Second time, he's coming, 
That's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's coming to set up his rule. He's coming to set up his kingdom and his kingdom of, of justice where there will not be tolerance for, for the stuff that goes on today. In fact, in Matthew 25, when he talks about it, he, of even who gets to go into the kingdom, he says he divides them to the right and to the left. And he says... Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Folks, Jesus told us over and over and over and over, he's coming back. He's coming back. We don't know when, but it looks like the time is getting close. Are we living our life in light of that truth? Or are we distracted by the yahoos in our life? so that we miss the signs. Let's take that theory that we would have known out for a little different spin. The Bible is so, so clear that Jesus is the only way of salvation. You cannot read the New Testament and miss this. It is so clear. There is one way. There is one way. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, Nobody, absolutely no one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way. Peter is preaching just quickly after the resurrection. And he says, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men whereby you must be saved. And yet I talk to people all the time. People who have grown up in church. People who, who have this spiritual quote unquote life. And when I talk to them about, hey, do you, do you know for certain you're going to heaven? They say, oh, yes, because I go to church. Because I'm a good person. Because I've been baptized. Because I have a sincere heart. And yet Jesus said, no. No, there's one way. You're not the way. I'm the way. That's why Paul said in Romans, because of the works of the law, no flesh, no flesh, not a single one of us will be justified in his sight. There are none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned to fall short of the glory of God. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 2. By grace you have been saved through faith. It's Jesus and it's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works. You know, Friday night, we had such a special time with coming and remembering and reading and talking. But I was reminded that the cross itself, the cross itself proves, it shows, it shouts, it's the sign that there is only one way of salvation. You say, well, how's that? Well, think about it. If it was possible for you and I to be good enough, to do enough good things, to pull this off by the sincerity of our heart that we could meet God's standard, then answer me. Why on God's green earth did Jesus have to die? Why would he have to go to the cross? Why would he have to be beaten? Why would he have to hang there in my shame if I could have done it? 
The cross shouts, you can't do it. There is only one way, and that way is Jesus. Not only does the cross shout that there's only one way, the resurrection shouts that there's one way. Jesus hung everything that he did, everything that he said, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life on this one thing. You're going to kill me. You're going to put me in the grave. Three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. Then you will know that I am who I said I am. Folk, salvation only comes through a personal faith in Jesus. Personal faith in Jesus sometimes gets confused. People grow up around Jesus. Well, I believe him to be the Son of God. I even believe that he died on the cross. Folk, do you know that the Pharisees believed that Jesus died on the cross? They were there watching it. But they weren't saved. They're the ones that put him there. It's not about certain historical facts that somehow we embrace. Because I can embrace the fact that Jesus died on the cross, but I'm still doing everything I can to save myself. I'm not trusting in that. Personal faith in Jesus is the understanding that not only did Jesus die, but he died for me. That he is my only hope. He is my only plea. He's the only chance that I have is to come and to humbly understand I cannot save myself, but as the Son of God, He came and He died for me. And I put my faith in Him. I love how John put it in his book. He says, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. See, it's not enough just to know who Jesus was or even what he did. There's, there's this idea of receiving him, personal faith, that when Jesus died, he died for me. And he is the only way of salvation. And so I invite him to be my savior, to forgive me, to, to wash me metaphorically in his blood so that I stand forgiven before the Father. And there's one really scary verse in Scripture. And I'll end with this. But Jesus says on that day of judgment, many will say to me, and that's scary, many, not a few, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we've done wonderful works in your name. We've even cast out demons in your name. Look at what we've done. Don't we deserve? And Jesus says, I will say to them on that day, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You see, even though they knew Jesus, and even though they acted in his name, they were trusting in themselves. But there is only one way of salvation, and it's Jesus. And that comes through personal faith. Have you missed the sign? Or have you come to that point? Can I invite you to pray with me?